0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Stand Up To Sitting podcast. I am your host and Chief Energy Officer, Jeremy Abramson. And ladies and gentlemen, do we have a special guest for you today, Jason Campbell. Jason recently moved to Miami from Malaysia, where he's the head of global partnerships for Mindvalley. He has a background in real estate investing, raising private equity, and selling with love. Jason has also spoken on stages across the world, but none bigger than this one right here. And before we get into today's show, I want to shout out... Our sponsor. I am so grateful to partner with Kai's Energy Bars. Kai's are these all natural, only four to six ingredients in each bar, and they're amazing whether it's post-workout or you just need a midday pick-me-up. These bars have kept me going the last few months, and The reason that I love this company so much is because I connected with their founder, Jeff. And Jeff is so committed to making an impact in the community that every box of bars they sell, he donates some to kids in Haiti. He's literally making a generational change for the youth overseas. And that is really why I felt this duty and alignment to partner with Kai. So I'm so grateful for them. And they have been generous enough to give this community 15% off their orders. So go to kaisconcepts.com and then put coach Jeremy 305 at checkout so you can get some of these guys. I'm not joking. I don't take or put anything in my body that has any artificial flavors, ingredients. So get on these now. Save 15% off. Coach Jeremy 305 at checkout. Peace. Jason, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And what a stage to be on. Super excited. Yes, sir.
0: My dude, we met three days ago. Three days is all it takes to form a friendship. It was amazing. Like (laughs) It was literally like magnetism.
1: Yeah. Right there. The law of attraction is real. Well, the frequencies match. You just instantly connect. And the moment you walked into the meetup we were organizing, we're just like, Hey, we speak the same language. Yeah. We dude. need to do something. And then this just happened.
0: Hell yeah, bro. Well, I want to dive right into Mind Valley because yeah. I'm somewhat familiar with the platform and the amazing courses it offers and the community it's creating. But I want to give you the chance to kind of dive deeper.
1: Fair enough. You know, what's funny is I actually feel like I should be calling my head of PR to get the kind of, what is the the digest? How should I explain Mindvalley? Because fact is we actually struggle a lot to give it that concise understanding of what Mindvalley is. The people who are in it, they get it, but the words to describe it to someone who doesn't understand it has a bit of variability. And we're actually working on that language. But I'll tell you from my perspective, how I best understand Mindvalley. I've been with them for about six years and How I understand it is we are a personal growth education company and we design technology that makes people actually complete online courses so much better that actually it delivers transformation. There's this fascinating statistic, which is actually quite disappointing that 8% of people that take an online course actually complete it. So It's interesting. If you are someone who designs online courses, okay, you can get a lot of people to transact buy something that'll deliver transformation in their life. But if they don't consume or actually transform, have you done an impact? and that was something we realized that if transformation was a core value of Mind Valley we need to go from the ground up and design technology learning systems and a community that pushes that way above and we've had some of our courses go to like 80% completion mm. rate now we're transforming people so that is the core of Mind Valley just delivering amazing personal growth education in all the aspects like health and fitness spirituality meditation productivity whatever it is that makes you extraordinary we'll teach you
0: Right. So what is it that you guys do different that entices people to dive deeper and actually stay involved in
1: the course? There's a lot of triggers and it comes around like group flow theory. So one of them is everybody starts at the same time. So a community aspect of learning is huge because if you're going through it together, you're feeling more accountable to do it with friends. It's it's kind of like going to a, a class or going to a fitness center and doing a spinning class together as opposed to doing it in your own home. You feel more engagement and you're involved. And this, the second thing is actually how you deliver the content. So a lot of these digital courses would be like hours on end and you just have to sit home, chug through a lot of content, And then you're like, okay, now I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm tired. I didn't pay attention after 20 minutes. So we deliver it in bite-sized content. So 10 to 20-minute videos on a daily habit basis. So every day you get new content. Mm. So you anticipate the next learning. You have time to implement the exercises. And then finally, it's just working with world-class teachers, like the best in every category and we make sure that they deliver the content that's exciting engaging practical and when you combine that community that daily habit and the great teachings you really get people to go past what they thought they were capable of and truly transform
0: i love it man yeah i'm looking forward to start diving deep into some of those courses let me ask you so their hq their headquarters is in malaysia What's the story behind that? And how long were you there? What was that experience like?
1: Yeah, so Valley is based out of Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And it's simply because the founder is actually Malaysian. So Vishen Lakiani, the founder of Valley, is born and raised in Malaysia, spent a lot of time in the U.S. as well. Interestingly enough, he found himself in a situation where he was no longer capable of staying in the U.S. Fact is, there was a lot of discrimination that happened after a tragic day in America, which was 9-11. And he basically tells the story where he was basically brown and unshaven and he automatically became part of a terrorist watch list. He had to go and report himself every 30 days to show his credit card bills and stuff. And, you know, it's absolutely understandable after a tragic event like that, that, you know, everybody goes really hardcore on the measures. So it was a very reactionary response, but it kind of made him feel like he wasn't even welcome in a country that he spent most of his adult life in. Mm. So he made the decision to move back to Malaysia. But that was actually a really fascinating thing that happened because Malaysia suffered from something called brain drain. So in developing countries, all of the smartest talent actually leaves and comes to America because they want to seek better job opportunities, higher income possibilities. And so when he moved to Malaysia, he's like, how do I get talent if all the best are going out? And this is a way that we think a lot at Mind Valley, which is breaking the rules or the B rules, the BRULS, which actually stands for bullshit rules, which is like- Mm, I like that. If brain drain is a thing, how do you just design a completely different model where it's it's a non-issue? And so they built one of the greatest workplaces in Kuala Lumpur and said, we're not gonna live by the reality that people think it's brain drain. We're gonna attract the best talent from around the world to come and work in this hot office with great, like the most democratic workplace, all of these policies. That are super pro, especially millennial. Like we really understood what is it that attracts the top of the top in the younger generation. And now we move to Malaysia, and that was my journey six years ago. So I spent six years in Malaysia in Kuala Lumpur, and I just remember walking through that office as a tourist. I actually was following valley Was inspired by them. Did a lot, a lot of their marketing was top notch. And one day they said, "You can visit the office." I said, "All right, let's do it." And when I walked in, I went, "Wow." I knew that anybody could look good on the internet with marketing and all that stuff. But when I walked in and I was like, wow, these are all A players in here and the vibe felt good. I was like, I want to ride this bus. I don't care where I sit, but this bus is going somewhere exciting and I want in. And this is why a lot of top talent ends up in Malaysia and we were from there. And so I spent six years of my life there and it was an amazing experience. Malaysia's an incredible city. And so if anybody's just never had a chance to go to Southeast Asia, there's so much to discover there. And it's a melting pot of cultures. Like there's so many different cultures there. So it opens your mind to a lot of how we're very similar. Mm. Everyone's super similar. We're all looking to figure ourselves out, learn some new stuff. And when you're in a new country, new area, you don't get a culture shock as much as you would expect because you start understanding there's so much more that binds us than separates us.
0: Mm, I love that, bro.
1: Yeah, so many, I think a lot of
0: people consume so much media and they get this mindset that it's Democrats versus Republicans, left versus right, black versus white, and they're not actually experiencing life for themselves and gathering these real world experiences. And I agree with what you said based on my travel experiences. There's so much commonality and so much love shared between cultures, between people. So what is it? That obviously they have to be doing something very unique and special in that office, in that environment, in that culture, that's attracting top talent from the Western world, right? From these first world countries. What are some of the things that you noticed right away in the workplace, in that culture
1: that intrigued you? Mm. This is really interesting because the most of the work that I do at Mindvalley is actually about workplace impact. Like how do you become more productive at work? How do you design your workplace to be a lot more attractive for all these kinds of people? So Mindvalley does one thing absolutely more incredible than most companies I've ever seen, which is this. Why are you doing what you're doing? Mm. And for Mindvalley, it's so clear we believe the best way to raise consciousness on the planet and to make it a better place is to is through education. I think it's Nelson Mandela who spoke about the fact that education is what you solve that will raise everything else. And so knowing that education is the key, when we go to Mind Valley, we know the mission is impacting a billion lives through transformational education that really pushes consciousness higher, and every time you go to work, you know that any extra minute of work that you do is going to push that mission further. So a company with a very clear why, like a, and Simon Sinek, if you start with why, the whole concept. If you go to the TED Talk and listen to that, it speaks about it. But just being really clear as to why do you even exist as a company, and if you do exist, is it a humanity plus or a humanity minus concept? We we talk a lot about that at Mindvalley. Where is that? Is the mere existence of this entity, this company, actually going to make the world a better place? And when you look at a place like Mindvalley, someone can look at it say, what? These people are educating the world on these practices around mindfulness, spirituality, productivity, health, and fitness. We're healing the world the more productive and more effective we are. So I want to be a part of that. So a strong mission is huge. The second, I would say, is having the clear values. And if you go into any kind of management practices, this is not going to be anything new. But you got to remember these things so you repeat it, right? So understanding what are the values the company stands for can quickly filter out who you want to attract. And the people you do attract, they'll automatically get it. So for us, very simple. We have transformation. And I've mentioned it a few times already, which is how do we actually get people to transform? So when transformation is a key value, you start attracting people that are on a path of continuous growth. They always want to grow. They always want to learn. And transformation will resonate with them. So if someone's like, yeah, I know. I went to college. I'm done learning for the rest of my life. Mindvalley is not a place for you. And transformation will not be a value you care about, right? Yeah. The, the second one is actually envisioning. This one's a little trickier to explain, but envisioning is in essence understanding that the world has the potential of being this amazing, beautiful place, but we all have a role to play to make it go there. And so when envisioning is there as a value, we actually say, okay, as we envision everything to look towards a better place, how do we pay attention and envision every single thing we do with a level of care that most other companies wouldn't? Like- how are the images designed for a product cover? And I'll, I'll give you massive compliments. Look at your stand up to sitting podcast cover. It's gorgeous, right? You like that? Yeah, of course. It's so like, it's all about the energy, like, ah, it's radiating. There's a Hell lot yeah, of emotion. Bro. So there's a lot of care. And like at Mind Valley, covers like this are so important. We're like, this triggers an emotion. Mm-hmm. How do we make it a positive emotion? How do we design everything with a level of care that will actually bring the things towards the visions that we have? This is why our offices are super beautifully designed. Every product we launch, the aesthetics are important. The copy is important. Finite attention to detail happens across mm-hmm. when you have that value. So if you're someone who cuts corners and visioning, and if you don't have that positive like vision for the future, again, you filter out the people that wouldn't make sense. Right. So mm-hmm. I guess piggybacking off of that, what
0: is it about the actual like office environment? Is 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 leadership like doing special things for the team? Are they taking you out on retreats? Are they providing you with different health and wellness benefits, different medical benefits, travel plans? Like what is it? Because that stuff is all beautiful and it sounds great, but it's still something that is tangible, right? That once you get in the doors, it's like, oh shit, like this place is for me. I don't want to leave.
1: Yeah. Okay. So if we go to the tactics, right, what is specifically what we're doing? So for one, there's an annual team retreat, all expenses paid. Everybody goes to this like beach resort. And then we basically focus on learning epic stuff. Like we, we, we drink our own Kool-Aid, you know? So we go to these retreats and we practice some of the things we teach. How
0: many people are on the 300. Team? 300. We're 300
1: employees. And okay. so then some of them are actually scattered. We actually have the availability to work remotely. Again, something that speaks particularly to millennials who are valuing freedom, right? So remote work opportunities. Um, if you're in Kuala Lumpur, you're three hours away from Bali. You're three hours away from Koh Phangan. So there's like these hotspots that these people that are looking to have access to, you can have it now that you're in the office in Kuala Lumpur. Beyond that, you have flexible hours. Like you can go into work at 11 if you're not a morning person. You can go into work at 6 a.m. if you are and then you can end the day and have the rest of your afternoon or maybe you want to crunch your entire week into 4 days and then take the Friday off there's an immense level of flexibility within the office which is highly appealing and the studies have shown that people if they work 30 hours a week they actually get more done than yep. when you give them more hours and then we emphasize things like get fit we have programs that say hey you can get fit we have a gym in the office all those things
0: so if you're if you're Sorry I got this yeah, redo the- someone's coughing. No, I think we're good. we're good. okay We're good, we're good. So the biggest thing and I, and that's where, that's where I see the mission and the values and the envisioning all come into play, right? Because when you're committed to that mission and when you align really well with what your organization is doing, then work isn't a chore. You know what I mean? Work isn't a chore. You're more motivated. You're more inspired to get shit done and to unlock creativity. You Be- bet. Because you understand that you are a valuable piece to this puzzle.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, the last thing that I would say is just the actual group of people that we've put together, like there's 300 employees, right? What's more fascinating than that is there's 52 different countries represented in the office. And if someone is in any kind of HR position thinking already, like, oh, my God, cross-cultural management is is a nightmare. No, it's a non-issue. Like, imagine this melting pot of different cultures, different perspectives, different opinions that is actually coming from every corner of the world. Well, if we're looking to transform the world, then having the world in the office, it's like a little United Nations but practicing these higher consciousness practices, learning about the higher self, all those things actually makes us see what would it look like when we operate all together towards a common goal and a mission. And if that mission is to make the world a better place, then everything flows. And that would be the last value I'd want to disclose from my value, which is unity, mm. which is like no nationalities, no race, no gender, like all those labels, take them away. We're one human race and we're in this together and that bonds the whole staff. So when you come to Mind Valley, those perks are the one things that will get you in. What makes you stay is the people you work next to are all A players. And so you can count on the person on the left or on the right and you know that things are going to get done. You're with great people and you're all working towards a common goal.
0: Yeah. And I and at the talk on Tuesday, right, we Jason hosted an event on Tuesday night. And it featured Radha Agrado, I think is how you say her last name, the founder of Daybreaker. And it was all about the importance of belonging and community and finding your tribe and how that impacts your health, your longevity, your happiness. So it sounds like a lot of those values overlap, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, this is why I start with the values because those are what defines the community. And if you're a bunch of employees together working towards a common goal, that is a community as well, which is super important.
0: Yeah. So now you're working remotely, right? Yeah. So you've been in Miami two months. That's right. How's that transition going?
1: It was interesting. So the first thing, I, I came here, and it was just an exciting place to be. So obviously, there's a lot of new people uh, getting to meet them and all that those things. But there was also a bit of a disconnect from the Kuala Lumpur office. So I'm not as part of the daily happenings. But it comes there, there, there's a consequence, which is uh, there's a, a communication gap with me communicating with people in Kuala Lumpur. But the benefit is that my role is actually to communicate with a lot of the authors in the United States. So when I was back in Malaysia... I had a lot of difficulties reaching my objectives, and my what we call them like objectives and key results is how we manage the whole company. Mm. And it's it's all about like what are the goals you're trying to achieve, and then you do the best you can to achieve them. And we even allow a lot of failure rate at Mindvalley, by the way. Like failure is highly embraced, so we expect you only to achieve fifty to seventy percent of your goal, but you got to set bold goals. Right? So in my case, it's to reach the top authors and get them like a big role of doing these partnerships is these influencers, these authors and bringing them on the Miami Valley ecosystem. Now that I'm here in Miami, like I'm on the same time zone as where most of these authors are. And so my level of productivity has went through the roof. And the other thing is I'm immersed in American culture. And that's where the bulk of our customers are. Probably around 60% of our customers are American. And now I get to be part of the conversation. What's happening here? What's this energy that's floating in the air? And then getting to tap into that and feedback it. So it's almost like I'm a, like a scout. Right inside the territory where we're trying to spread these awakening of consciousness. And I'm being able to report back to HQ and being like, hey, this is what's happening on the field. This is why the meetups are so important. Yeah. So I started these meetups because I want to meet the customers, I want to meet the tribe, I want to see who are the people that we get to impact and how I can reach more of them. And that's what's been the most fun about being here in Miami. Did you choose Miami? I did. It was a lot of, there was nothing too strategic about it. My sister actually just gave birth to my first nephew about four days ago. Oh, hell yeah, bro. Uncle. Uncle Jay. Um, Uncle Jay. That's
0: what I'm going to be called too. Yeah,
1: there you go. So um, that was one of the reasons. I wanted to be on Eastern time zone. And I was like, where could I live on the Eastern time zone that would be awesome? Miami. Good choice,
0: (laughs) my guy. I'm so glad you chose Miami over New York. It's cold.
1: I left Canada. Hell yeah, bro. (laughs) That's where you're from originally? I am Canadian, yes. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What part? Ottawa.
0: Okay. it gets cold as fuck out there, man.
1: Quite. Uh, So once you've had that, then I went to both extremes. So I went to Malaysia. And then I come to Miami, and I'm like, wow, Miami's so cold. And it's so dry. And then people are like, you're crazy. I'm like, you haven't been to Malaysia that place is hot it's and i'm gonna say 33 degrees which all the americans are gonna go like what no that's freezing and i'm like yeah but i count celsius sorry not sorry so yeah what <laughs> is that like that's over 90 95 and, and it's a high level of humidity 80 plus percent all the time like you just go outside and there's like a cloud of heaviness over you so everybody stays in it's a, it's so sad because you're in the middle of a jungle it's a concrete jungle but everybody spends their time in shopping malls because it's so unbearable to be outside is that how it is year round though it's always hot. You'll have periods where there's a lot of rain. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you want to be outside, you're going to want to be at the beach. And mm. then you got to take a little flight or a long drive to get there. But in Kuala Lumpur itself, yeah, you mostly spend your time indoors because it's just that unbearable hot. Or you come out at night. Like everybody comes out at night. I, I just imagined like the whole team, all
0: 300 people, at Mind Valley, like, and I'm sure it's not exactly like this, but I just imagine them all to be homies. Like everyone, it's like, yo, Friday night, like, yo, let's go
1: out here. Let's play some board games together. Like let, happy hour. Is that is that how it is? So on Thursdays, there's always a social. We have this weekly meeting. And again, yeah. this is part of a culture ritual that's really important. It was, we call it the A report. A standing for awesomeness. So the awesomeness report is, what are all the awesome things that happened in the last week? We all gather in our hall of awesomeness, HOA is what we call it. And it's an all staff meeting. It's like, here's the awesome stuff that's been happening for the last week. And then after that, it turns into a social and whether it goes on all night or stays for a couple of drinks, but everybody kind of bonds and you know, you're, you're going to be productive. There's, there's a statistic that says that you're going to be something like 70% more productive when you have a best friend at work. Mm. And there's so many people like my best friends at the workplace. So right. I'll give a shout out to David. Uh, he knows, he knows I'm calling him out. He's like my bro that I'll go to the gym with. And like, we actually organize here's, here's an example of how it works. I went to do a Spartan race, yeah. which is like obstacle course racing and such. Of course. Then I came back in the office and I wear my, my shirt saying I finished. I was like, who wants in? And then like 22 people came to go and do the race. Now I left and I'm here and I just found out, I think like 60 people are doing the next one. And now it's a thing. People get together to do a Spartan race, train together all the time. So it bonds. Mm. And I would actually even add the fact that when I start at Valley. It was all about like going party, clubbing, and like we had this great vibe. It was always a lot of fun and it still happens, but at such a reduced rate, like Mind Valley grew up in itself. And as I know for myself, like I stopped drinking, yeah. but now you're hearing all these activities are more around mindfulness, yoga, gym, and much less of the drinking and the partying. So there's mm-hmm. even a growing up process that the ethos of the company grows up and it's actually fascinating to watch. Yeah. I'm wondering...
0: So many people out there, I feel like, are struggling to find their tribe or to feel belonging or to feel like they matter, right? And that's something that we always try to stress on the show is that each individual person has their unique skill set, their unique superpower. It's just about really going out there and using it and sharing it with their community, sharing it with the people in their lives, what words of wisdom, maybe what's one piece of advice you have for someone who's just feeling lost, alone, and they really are looking to
1: find a group of like-minded people? Well, one of the things that comes to mind when you say that is uh, there's a phenomenon within personal growth industry, and I think a lot of different industries, is that we all look at an expert or a guru, or some influencer, and you look up to them going, wow, look at them, they figured it all out, if only I could be like them. And you create that sense of separation from the source, right? From like, what you're looking into, and you feel like I can't have that. So the first thing I would tell the people is like, for one, if you see that in an expert, means that there's a part of it in you, or you wouldn't even notice it. And the second thing is there's a there's a fascinating thing that happens. So another part of Mind Valley, which is not on the digital front, but it's these live events. And at these live events, yeah, we bring these people on the stage, but when people leave this event, they always go, yeah, the people on stage were great, but the biggest insights and breakthroughs I had was through just conversations with the other people around. And that would be what I'd want people to know is that Everyone has a story of struggle. Everyone has a story of breakthrough. Everyone has a story that can give insights. And you never know what just something that you've went through could actually help someone else. And if you just keep looking at a guru thinking that they have it all and they don't, and you don't, first off, even the people that are there have their own issues they're dealing with. And, you know, it's always a bit painted biasly when you're posting it on social media. So don't get attached to that. But just know that everything you've went through, like there's someone that when they hear that could also be inspired. And if you stop chasing like the ultimate goal of I need to get a million followers or I need to be that or X, just get involved in very local things and realize there's so many things that happen locally. So many other people that are feeling the same, that are trying to gather community. And the problem that they face is nobody shows up. So why don't you be the person to show up to mm. someone else's thing and just say like, hey, I'm trying to figure out things too because that's what we're all here yeah. for. We're just trying to figure things out. Right. So I would say just be in an exploratory mode until you get to that point where you want to participate. Yes. And we talked a lot about that. So if you, uh, and I, I referred to the meetup we had, I would tell people to pick up the book from uh, from Ragda, the Belong book. And yeah. there's a lot of insights on how you can find your tribe and then finally how to build your own. Yeah, no, I love that. There's no excuse
0: in 2019. Like, even if you're living in a small town, it's like you can facilitate something, whether it's going to Whole Foods or whatever healthy spot there is, if you're trying to associate with those type of individuals, or like you said, going to an event. You know, that's, I, I found the exact same experience. You know, Summit of Greatness in Columbus, Ohio, um, it's a Lewis House event, and there's great speakers but the reason I went back a second time was just to connect with people. That's it. Yeah. And it's like, maybe it's four or five conversations and relationships that really develop and grow and blossom that can last a lifetime. That's and, it. And exactly, right? So, you know, finding that inner circle and finding finding those people that we can count on, that we can hold, that they'll hold us accountable, that we can support through this crazy journey called life. It's a beautiful one. Yeah, man. So I wanna know, you mentioned that spirituality has been a big focus of yours the last year. And I just, I'm curious to know what that has looked like. Mm-hmm. What has that entailed? Um, yeah, I would love to love for you to dive into
1: that. Yeah, I, what I would do before that, I would just give it a framework, right? right. Um, so I'm someone who loves looking at all aspects of my life and just seeing what I can optimize. And there's a thing we do at Mind Valley called Lifebook, and Lifebook is basically how to look at my life into twelve categories. Every employee that joins Mind Valley gets taken through an experience where they define what are their beliefs about something, what is the vision they have for themselves, why is that vision important, and what are the strategies you're going to get there. Mm. And you do it in every category of your life, like health and fitness, your intelligence, um, your character, your emotions, and then spirituality is one of those categories. And what happens is I actually make a plan, like at a New Year's Eve, like. People were partying. I stayed home alone and I actually worked on what is my, what is, where do I stand on all my beliefs? Where do I stand on my vision for mm. myself in every one of those categories and define strategies and then prioritize them as like, what is going to be my win for 2019? And spirituality is one that I've always had something that I need to, like, I used to look at it in a way that was like, maybe there's a God, maybe there's not, who cares? I'm just living life and it's fine. But then I realized that I kind of didn't have like, there was a lack of purpose, like what was the point of it all, right? And those are like life's big questions. And I personally started following one um, series of books um, that some people might be familiar with. And if they're not, they're going to find the title a little scary, but trust me, just take a breath and don't make a judgment yet. It's called Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. And what it is, it's a very new age philosophy around spirituality, um, and it just pre like you listen to that, and it's literally like if you were sitting down with a piece of paper and you would be writing questions to what is what is your concept of God, and the answers that come back from asking that question when it comes all from a place of love starts giving you insights as to like wow okay there's it's not that complicated, and when I started going through that series, and there's also a quest that we do at Mind Valley, like a course that's all about like awakening the species. And that's something I've been studying a lot. And one of the things I love the most about that, which is also, like I said, what's the point of all this, right? Well, what if there was an answer to what's the point of all this? And in that book series, and what Neil Donald Walsh says is, he says there's these 25 words that basically tell you what the purpose of life is. Do you want to know it? All 25 words? All 25 words. You memorize them? I think so. I'm going to try. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. The purpose of life is to recreate yourself anew in every golden moment of now into the greatest version of the grandest vision you've ever held about who you are. And that's 25 words.
0: Oh, I thought it was like 25 different qualities. Okay, that was beautiful.
1: It's a sentence. It's a Mm. paragraph. So, And if I break it down really quickly for people is... To recreate yourself anew in every golden moment of now just says that every moment is a chance for you to make a choice of recreating yourself. So did you know that in 10 years from now, there is not a single cell that is in your body right now that will exist. Mm. They will have all been new cells that have been regenerated over the next 10 years. So that means you are a completely different person biologically in 10 years. So in every moment of now is a chance to recreate yourself. And if you do this moment to moment, you can always get to something completely different up to 10 years from now. And it happens much quicker, but from a biological standpoint, 10 years, right? Yeah. Then when you talk about the grandest version of the greatest vision is that you can have a vision of who you are and the grandest version that you can think about what you could be, you can choose at every moment to take a step towards that. And one of the things is like, um, the grandest version, see that I got to mix up the 25 words, the greatest version of the grandest vision you've ever held about who you are. And that's the, the, the the magic at the end, people go like, yeah, but who am I? Right. Mm. Who am I? Yeah. And under this philosophy, there's a simple answer. You are fucking divine you are a particle of what we call God. And it's not even a he or a she or an it. We don't know what that concept is, but we're basically God's essence, the universe spirit experiencing itself. And in the process, it's like, hey, light doesn't know it's light unless you put darkness around it and then you can identify. So if like, you don't know if you're good unless you've witnessed bad. And so we're in this life of duality so that you can be a part of this experience that is dual. And then you could be like, oh, I remember what I am. I am divine. And I can make choices to be the greatest version of the grandest vision I've held of myself. Yeah. So take that as an energy to make all those decisions every single moment to recreate yourself and you.
0: Yeah, and I, I I love that because I think it's such a practical framework for people to live by. Because like we were speaking earlier, we all have stories, we all have trauma, we all have these narratives that we've convinced ourselves are reality and oftentimes we let these rule us for our entire life. Like, like it's a bunch of 50, 60, 70 year olds running around, but they're still their seven-year-old version because they never address this piece of trauma. So to really go in and say like every single moment, every single minute, every single day is a new opportunity to find that belief, find that vision, and make some sort of movement towards there. And that can be overwhelming because oftentimes people want to go from A to Z without taking these necessary steps. B, C, you got to go through here. And I think it also goes back to people looking at things like social media and you see people's highlight reel. So, you know, one of my favorite quotes from Teddy Roosevelt is, comparison is the thief of joy Mm. so and i'm guilty of this too i'm like super excited i'm like yo i got this dope podcast i just taught this big class i'm doing a lot of cool shit and then i scroll down my feed and i see oh this person's doing that this person's doing this and and it's easy to go out of body and and live in this other other viewpoint so i think the stuff that you mentioned is is so key and so relevant um tell me about tell me about your vipassana experience because this is something that i definitely want to do i'm not sure when it's 10
1: days right it is 10 days okay explain this explain (laughs) this for the listeners okay so first off the vipassana experience is a silent meditation retreat and uh and yeah i was i was in the same place as you before like i knew i wanted to do it but i never scheduled it yeah but it's only when you schedule it that it's real so I will challenge you to find a time to go and apply for a certain schedule. Don't don't, don't commit to go. Just just go and apply to schedule it and see what happens. Yeah. If you get accepted, you get accepted. If not, you you're okay. But just make a step towards that. But what it is, it's you go into this you go into the center and you meditate for those entire ten days. You can't speak. You can't write. You can't work out. You uh, you eat vegetarian and you're just in this very peaceful vibe for the ten days and it was one of the most challenging things I've ever done. Um, And what was the biggest challenge?
0: Cause you, cause
1: you like me are a talkative guy. Yes. I'm a very talkative guy. The talking wasn't a big deal. It was really just facing myself. You are literally basically going through a mirror of yourself and your behave, all your behaviors come out in the light so you basically do a massive soul searching because you're, talk- you're not adding any data. You have to let go of everything that comes in. You get educated in the process too. And the insights that you get through the education process are like mind-blowing. So again, really pushes on the spiritual side. And there's a ton of learnings in it. Is there
0: any writing allowed? No. Like how do,
1: like, I mean... No writing. Do they regulate that? Because I'm yes. thinking... Really? Well, I mean, you have to self-regulate. You get told what are the rules. And, right. and if you break the rules, then what does that say about your character?
0: But I just feel like I understand that, but there's so many
1: downloads going on. Oh, listen, The one of the big th- lessons you get from Vipassana is the art of letting go. So mm-hmm. I had all these business ideas, downloads coming in left and right, and I had to learn to let it go. And realizing that if it was that important, it'll come back and you have to trust that. So there's a big element of trust in the process. Like I, I remember I was like getting anxious because I had these ridiculously good ideas coming while I had this moment of clarity. But I had these moments of insanity. Like I think I remember on day six, I'm like, here I go again. I'm going to go walk in a circle after my lunch, after not talking. And then, oh, look, I got seven other guys that are walking in a circle that are just going as crazy as me. I made two friends. It was a Mr. Lizard and Mr. Squirrel. No joke. I was looking for them every time I would wake up. I'd be like, I wonder if Mr. Lizard is gonna say hi to me. Like I went to that level, and in in essence, I every behavior I had in a meditation. Like think about this: meditating for seven hours. Like, did I move in a meditation? Did I move because I was that uncomfortable, or is it because I give up early? And the things that I pursue. Then I'm like, whoa, is that a behavior I should look at? Am I actually waking up at the time they said, or am I gonna snooze in? Because they're not gonna really check, but they kinda do. And sometimes they'll come knock at your door if they don't see you meditating. So how accountable are you to yourself? And that reflection comes to you with no excuse, no smoke. It's just so clear because you're 10 days with just you in the best of environments to support you facing yourself in the process. So I highly encourage it. It's just amazing experience. Yeah. But Where horrifying you, too. Yeah. But great. Dude. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like
0: as you're explaining that, I'm like, yeah, this is this is definitely something. I have to do it because I know it would be such a transformational experience. And similar to you, like being able to let go and surrender to nothingness Mm. and emptiness, because I feel like I do have those conversations with myself, but there's always pen and paper involved usually, and they don't, they don't, they don't happen for these extended periods of time. Maybe it's 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening, but this is 240 hours where it's just you, your thoughts, good and bad, all of it. I think I'm going to bring um, Adrián and Santiago with me and see and see if they can uh, come aboard.
1: Ah, that'd be really fun. And the thing is, is though you can't film anything, like it's it's so stricken. There's also other things. You you know why you can't speak? Actually, this is an interesting topic. Why do you think you can't speak when you're on these retreats?
0: Well, it's a silent meditation. And I feel like that... Aren't you... You're not even supposed to like really look at people, right? You can't even look at people.
1: Okay, so... So one of the big reasons why you can't speak is because we're so used to a culture where we lie without even being conscious about it. And so one of the commitments you make when you join in Vipassana is thou shall not lie. And they figure that if you're just silent, then you can at least achieve that. And that's because you need to become honest and truth with yourself. So if you're having any kind of communication, we always communicate with a sort of blurred lens of reality. So it's not truth, truth. So then it automatically is a lie. So it's better to get you in silence so you can face your truth. Mm. That would be the best way of me describing the, the the statement of why we're not allowed to speak and why one of the oaths you make when you join Vipassana is, thou shall not lie.
0: Did anyone in your group like lose their shit and just go bonkers?
1: Well, people will leave. Um, I don't recall who left or not. Um, we were still a pretty big group, but some people, like, I know a lot of my friends, I told them, like, I did the past, and they're like, oh, yeah, I tried that and got the hell out in three days. So, uh, like, they tell you, at any point you want to leave, you can leave. Mm. But to me, it was, I'm, I'm glad that I faced one of my aspects, which is I'm so proud. Like, I have this pride that I was like, I don't want to be the guy that leaves. And that got me through. Some of the times that I was really going through darkness and then I was like, no, I need to keep going. I need to keep pushing. But it also made me realize a thing about myself, which is, wow, I really have a fear of failure mm. that even if it would have gone to a point that was so uncomfortable, I still would have pushed through just because I know I'm someone who doesn't want to fail. Where do you think that stems from? I don't even know. Like I, I didn't have any like overly strict upbringing or anything, but I just like, I have such a desire to succeed, such a desire to like always please, and for that i'm just always going to push past things even if like they don't even serve that much but just being able to check it off like do you walk out of a film if it's bad do i yeah to be honest with you i don't
0: know the last time i went to a movie theater it's probably been like three years what, what about a book yeah, like I'm at the point where I'm not going to invest time. If something's terrible, like yeah. fuck that, man. Yeah,
1: so I, so I, that's something I'm learning to get comfortable with because to mm-hmm. me it's like, oh, I started. I want to finish what I start because uh. I don't want to be the person who doesn't finish what he starts. Right. But then I'm like, wait, why am I still holding on to that belief? Because that's bullshit as well. If it's right. not serving me, it's not serving me, and now my time can be invested into something better. Yeah. So being able to gauge that is just that's one of the things I know I'm like looking to balance in my life. Yeah. So, what would you say right now is
0: the biggest obstacle that you're currently going through, trying to overcome?
1: Um, I'll get a little vulnerable with you here, and it's that's that what this I've, is for. I've been with Mind Valley for six years, and so I have a big part of my identity that is attached to my association with Mind Valley. So I do have a fear that says, hey, if I'm not part of Mind Valley, who am I? Mm. And that's something I'm actually journaling a lot about this week. And it's just like, if I want to serve an entity, a, a movement like mind Valley, I can't come from a place of lack. I can't come from a place of fear. I need to come from a place of love. And I've identified that this is something that is on my mind. So I want to work towards healing that because when I come from a place that's unattached and full, I can serve with so much more power. Yeah. Is is that something you're considering, like leaving Mind Valley and kind of starting your own? Uh, it's, it's not a question of leaving Mind Valley or not. It's more about getting firm on who I am, right. and in the process, like, would it lead to me leaving Mind Valley? I don't know. If it doesn't serve, then it doesn't serve, and it will be for the benefit of everybody else. But I do know that what's great about Mindvalley is we encourage employees to actually start their side businesses. So for me, I do sales consulting on the side. I take on clients. I build my own personal brand in the process, and we are encouraged to do that. I can have talks with the CEO and tell him what my revenue goals are, and they're like, oh, great. Well, this is what Mindvalley can provide. Maybe we can structure this in a way that you can also take on your own initiatives that will actually push the same mission in a way that you feel is best. And that's another flexibility that we get to have at Mindvalley. I love it, man. So maybe it's not a question of how to leave Mindvalley, but more of a question of how do I organize my role so that I come from a place that's filling the best need that I feel within that organization, yeah. and nothing less, nothing more.
0: Yeah, Yeah. It's funny. I often have that similar conversation with former athletes because so much of their identity is tied to being that basketball player, right, or being that soccer player. And as soon as... They retire or their career's cut short, whatever the circumstance is, there's that period where there's depression and loss. And it's like, who am I? Yeah. Because this is how everyone saw me. And I feel like that's such a challenging situation and challenging um obstacle to get through. But I know you have the tools at your disposal. You know, I mean, it sounds like Mind Valley is just like literally the most ideal perfect place where they meet you where you're at and they're happy to have any conversation with you Mm. and i think it's something gary v talks about is like get to know your team like what what is the thing that moves the dial for them is it is it money is it family is it achievement right because then you're really able to serve your team at a higher level and really provide them what they need exactly I love that, dude.
1: Yeah, so that, that'll that be like, that's my journey while I'm here. And it's just a, it's a juicy one. It's a fascinating one. And no matter where people are at, I think that's always going to be a question that you continuously face throughout your life, which is the question of who am I? And I don't know if the answer ever gets super clear because you're always recreating that with the decisions you make moment to moment, right?
0: Yeah. And another topic I want to touch on with you, similar to the who am I, building on that, there's a lot of talk about, purpose, find your purpose, what's your reason for being here. And I think a lot of it gets saturated and manipulated because where can people start this journey of finding out their reason, finding their purpose. And you mentioned something that called the North star, mm. right? Yeah. And talk a little bit about that. Cause I think
1: that's a really interesting way to approach it. Got it. So the North Star concept is just about setting a goal that's such a big goal that you could have in the future so that it can give you some sort of direction. And it's understanding that you might not even reach that North Star, but the act of setting it actually will make the ship sail towards a certain directions and even if the winds change, you're not going to get disappointed. So what does that look like? Okay, let's say you want to go out there and you want to raise like get into the top position within a company. It's a North Star. Is it a good or a bad North Star? Well, there's no such thing as good or bad really, but I would ask a question, which again, I'll refer to the spiritual side because I think the spirituality actually helps with a lot of the hesitation people have when it comes to making a decision to know if it's good or bad. And Neil Donald Walsh says there's a life magic question that you can always ask yourself when you set a goal of any kind, which is what does that have to do with the agenda of my soul? Mm. Like ask yourself that question. So you're like, hey. I want to go do that in this kind of, I want to become the CEO, like just as an example, then you're like, what does that have to do with the agenda of my soul? Like sit with that. Like how, how juicy is that for you? How exciting is that for you? And if it resonates, then you're like, okay, what would be the next step? Now you can make a step. You're like, you know what? I'm going to work harder. I'm going to start talking to managers saying that I'm really looking to build the skills and leadership. Like you're going to start understanding what's the direction you want to go. And It doesn't matter if you end up there. Like, let's say six months down the road, you realize, hey, I don't want to be a part of this company. I don't want to be CEO anymore. You can always change that North Star. It's never fixed. You can really pivot it around. But the fact is, is you will grow through every step that you chase something. And a lot of times, the more you're going to chase something, the more you're going to realize like, oh, there's nothing I really need. I already have everything that I have. But the experience of the chase is something that we want in this human experience that makes it so rich. And so go and set a North Star There's also another program that I've been listening to. And if you're familiar with an author called Stephen Kotler.
0: Yes. Yeah,
1: Stephen Kotler, fascinating gentleman. Had a lot of conversations with him. and All about that flow state, right? All about flow state. But you know there's a precursor to a flow state. Mm. And he calls it the habit of ferocity which is like, how do you go and like really have goals that you feel like attacking and really going and pushing yourself towards it? And he said, if you're looking for that passion, that purpose and all those things, it actually often starts with curiosities. So I wanna give something practical for your listeners that comes from Steven Kotler. And it's basically when you make a list of 25 curiosities, that's a step that'll start giving you some ideas of where that North Star could potentially be right now. Like, it could be anything. Like, I am actually curious about, like, dirt bike racing. Like, I I was big into that when I was a kid. I got injured, which got me out of it, but it's still something I'm curious about, I'm excited about, and that's fun. Um, Health and fitness, Spartan races. Like, I do Spartan races right now. But then I also like, like... um, I've been recently doing like uh, a stylist. Like I went to see a stylist for style coaching and stuff. And I'm like, oh, what about if I start- You look pretty uh, good, I'm not going to lie. Well, thank you. Showing, <laughs> me up, showing me up on my own show, bro. Uh, well, no. Well, what I'll say is that, you know, if I look at some curiosities I have, I'll have like, okay, Spartan Race is one, doing these athletic, so health and fitness. And then I'm looking like styling and everything. How do I combine these curiosities into something that could be really unique as a passion? So maybe I could be like looking into the effects of- you know, doing competitive sports to improve your physique for more, uh, for better styling or for better like modeling physique. And mm-hmm. now you start combining curiosities and see what you can create that becomes very unique. And guess what will happen when you get to combine something that's so weird and unique is you will find a niche. And if someone's looking for their niche about what to do in the world, start like, I'm a passion about sales. I'm a passion about action sports. I'm a passion about like, like the the looks, the physiques and uh, styling. So like, how does, how does looking good and being fit impact sales processes? Like, mm. that's a curiosity that I have. Maybe I should dig and get really curious about that. Start getting, start reading about it, start getting curious about it, and you'll find your passion along the way. Mm. So, that's- I love that. So, so find, try, list 25 things or topics that you're curious about. Yeah. And then just start associating those things. And this Mm. this is a really beginner step. It's really cool. But if you guys look into Stephen Kotler's, like, habit, ferocity stuff, like, it's really cool what he talks about. Because once you start having these kinds of goals, then your internal GPS just starts taking you in really random ways that you'll discover things. Like, here's an example. I recently said I wanted to start building my personal brand. I want to talk about sales, about success, and about life experiences, spirituality. And suddenly I do a meetup, and a guy, Jeremy, shows up, and he's like, do you want to come on a podcast this Friday? What's the answer? It's hell yes. It's a fuck yeah. It's a fuck yeah. Remember, remember. Actually,
0: that's perfect. Yeah. Ah. And and that and that's it's so crazy, man, because I've been talking about this a lot lately. Is I was traveling this summer for like four to six weeks in Spain, and the whole theme of my trip was spontaneity. Like I booked a one way flight to London and nothing else. So literally I knew I wanted to spend time in Madrid and Barcelona. Didn't know how long, didn't know where I was going to stay. And this beautiful, spontaneous journey and curiosity took me to Ibiza for five days and Paris and Belgium. Like it was so wild. So when I came back, as the trip was coming to an end, I was like, how can I incorporate more of that curiosity, more of that spontaneity in my life in Miami? Because I feel like oftentimes I'm too rigid. Mm. And I hold myself back like structure is necessary, but it can also be destructive to a point. If you, if you kind of put yourself in this box. So since I've been back, I think it's been like two and a half months. I feel like I've put that energy out there in the world and I've worked less hard, but much more intentionally, much more intentionally. And the opportunities and the people that I'm attracting in my life are incredible. So I a hundred percent feel you on that. It's like the frequency and the vibration that you're operating on and putting that out there, like putting it out there. And I feel like being in a place, a new city for you also kind of you're, you're forced to kind of get out of your box and shell a little more.
1: That's the reason I left Malaysia. Yeah. The big reason is that it's so comfortable in Malaysia. Mm. Cost of living's low. You're in a bubble with everybody that says yes to everything you're thinking to. So there's no challenge. And I'm like, I need to grow. Like for me, the North Star, if I don't have any North Star, I'm like, what will make me grow? Like that's a default North Star, right? Yeah. Everything you want to do will make you grow and learn. So I'm like, I need to move. And that's why I came to Miami because I don't have any connections here. I'm like, what would happen if I just plant here and just try to connect with everything? And you know this this whole surrender experiment you speak about, which is a great book as well. Mm -hmm. um, You went out you went to London, you ended up all these amazing places. And one concept I love, and I forget who quotes this, so i unfortunately cannot refer the source, but I've heard it somewhere, which is like, you know, do you really think you can plan something more genius than the universe and how everything is planned already? Like, is, are, are you that better strategic than everything around you that you see that's just happening, whether you're thinking or thinking, um, like, it's just happening in a perfect way already. So why don't you just go with it? And that's a bit of how the surrender happens, where you're working a lot less hard and you're just like, step into that state of being. And this is like, there's one author I really love as well called Michael Beckwith. And he talks about Mm. the stages, like of operation from like victim state, which is like, that's a really bad place to be because you don't even realize it often. And I think most of the listeners that are here have taken at least a step towards a manifesting state, which is like, Hey, you realize you are in control of your, your life. You're in control of your future. So you can set goals, you can reach them. And that's really good, but that's probably the space where me and you find ourselves a lot, which is we set big goals, we get stuck into structure, and we think that what we want, we need to manifest. And the stepping that you've done, which I'm actually struggling, like... My girlfriend, she went like super hardcore into like personal growth and she just like leapfrogged from victim state right into the third, which is being state, which is just like mm. surrender and realize everything is going to happen naturally. And like, for example, she's in a modeling. We just came here for this podcast, right? And the store next door is literally sustainable clothing, which is everything that aligns with her values. And she's like, I, w- I don't want to do modeling anymore in an industry that's destroying the planet and doesn't respect the supply chain. And we walk into a store right in front here that we're going to go check out after this interview that perfectly aligns like you can't plan that you can't plan that so when i look at me in the manifesting state where i set goals and all that that's where i need to be like hey wait maybe if i step back and just be be present Mm because i'm always in the future i always have to bring me back to the present and when i do that that's when these effortless serendipitous amazing high needle moving activities start to happen but there's a high level of trust that needs to happen
0: yes
1: and i think the more you do it the more you get proved right
0: yeah, I think, I, I think so many points that you touched on today are going to have a huge, profound impact on the audience today. And I love this idea of going from victim and then transforming to that manifesting state and then being. Being state. Being. I love that because oftentimes we overlook what we need to do, what we need to embody. So for me... I went through a transformational training called gratitude training, which mm-hmm. is really big in the South Florida area. Um, they have it in all, all parts of the country. But we have to, in the part two of the training, we have to basically make our commitment statement. So for me, mine was, I am a joyful, honest, inspirational leader. So I have to be joy. I have to be inspiring. I have to be honest. I have to embody these things if I expect to be able to empower others to do the same. Mm. You know, And I think the idea of like leading by example has really become magnified for me because I'm more of a vocal guy. And you hear it all the time in sports, like, oh, this guy's like a rah-rah guy. He gets him fired up in the huddle, maybe like Ray Lewis or something. And then you have the person who's kind of quiet but is just embodying what it means to be a professional. Yeah, and there's something so graceful and it's
1: powerful like, it's about like that. Gravitational. Yes. Right. And it, like it's it's so fascinating. You speak about that. There's there's a gentleman I interviewed on my show. His name's Jimmy Narain, and he talks about how it's choosing identities that gets you to make the decisions much more fluidly. And you just mentioned that a little, a little briefly, and I'd want to expand on that because the going past goal setting is identity choices. Like what are the statements that you say about who you are that actually will guide every decision you need to make? And I made a really powerful one at the beginning of 2019 which is I'm someone who doesn't allow any smoke in my lungs. I actually started smoking cigarettes. Mm. Like what? Like uh, like I ended up friend had some, started smoking a couple started craving the nicotine. Mm. I did the vape. Like six months ago, and I went cold turkey. Stopped that a long time ago because I was like, "Wow, this is bad." And I could see what nicotine was. But then I was always saying like, "Oh, I'll just go out to shisha with friends," or "I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take a drag here." And then I went, "You know what? I'm gonna make a statement of identity, which is I'm someone that lets no smoke of any kind get in my lung." Mm. And now I don't get this thing called decision fatigue. There's, yes. And, and like this is the thing with goal setting or habit setting. If you're not doing it from an identity basis, it basically drains on what I call your fuck bucket. <laughs> Tell us about this fuck bucket. (laughs) I'm really intrigued. (laughs) The fuck bucket is just a super fun concept that makes it super clear about how your day goes by. You start the day with a certain amount of fucks to give. And when you start, like somebody's like, "Hey, can you help me with this?" You're like, "All right, you maybe got a hundred fucks to give, so you give two fucks about that, and then you'll help out." But now you're left with 98. And then you get to work, and then you're doing some stuff. Your boss comes in, gives you some shit, and you're like, "Oh, I got to do this and stay late." You're like, "I just took like 20 fucks about that." Then by the end of like 5 p.m., you get home, and let's say you're with your partner, and she's like, "Honey, I really want us to talk." And you look at your bucket, and you're like, "It's empty." What happens? You don't give a fuck. Ooh. <laughs> right? Yo. So this Knowledge is. Knowledge bomb. What? So you <laughs> got. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to <laughs> manage that bucket. Like you can't, you can't go through a day and realize that you're going to run out of fucks by the end of the day. So how do you reduce the expenditure of your fucks is when you choose an identity that doesn't make it so draining to make those decisions every time. And every time you make a decision, it takes a couple fucks to give. Right. Right.
0: And I feel like that's so spot on (laughs) for how so many people live their life. Like for example, you know, whether it's with a relationship, right? You come home from work after a long day and- you know, your girl, your girlfriend or your boyfriend is like, hey, like, let's hang out. Let's have dinner. Let's talk about our day. Let's talk about what we're doing this weekend. And it's like, you're not engaged mm. because you've already expended So much energy and effort to these other areas of life that maybe don't deserve it. Maybe Mm. they don't warrant it. Mm. So that's where that
1: North Star comes to play, right? You got to make decisions with a way that doesn't use too much energy. Yeah. And you can make the better decisions when you have that North Star. You can make those better decisions when you have an identity statement. Like I know one of them that I got from my buddy, which is uh, like Jimmy that I interviewed, his identity statement was, I am a fucking Spartan. Yeah. So that's why, like, if I do, I go to the, do I wake up at 6 a.m. today and go to Barry's boot camp and just like sweat it out, or do I hit the snooze button? Hold on, who am I? I'm a fucking Spartan. Okay, I don't need to make that decision. It's been done. I'm out. I'm putting my shoes on. I'm going on a treadmill. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then you're not like because that's the the stepping in. It's like you're trying to go into like playing that hopscotch hop hopscotch hop game, and you're like, okay, do I go in? Do I go out? Or like you know when people like are, are what do you call that? the jumping rope when you're a kid, right? Mm. And you're seeing the jumping rope and you're just there and you're like watching the jumping rope. And you're going, am I jumping in? I don't know. And then all these anxieties come up and like that's how we often hesitate in life. And that's one of the biggest drainers of fucks yeah. is when you're in this like teeter totter and trying to make a decision. Well, when you set the North star, you have an identity statement, then the decisions come quick and they don't cost a lot.
0: Yeah, it's funny because, because our production guy, Santiago, he, I'm always asking about like, bro, It'll be like 100 degrees outside and we're filming content and he's wearing black pants, black shirt. Literally every single time. I'm like, dude, like, do you need to borrow some shorts? Like, I have a (laughs) tank top if you need it.
1: He's like, it just makes life easier when you know what you're wearing every day. Steve Jobs. What does he do every day? He wears the same shit the turtleneck black like everybody has this image of steve jobs just wearing the same thing why is that he doesn't want he has zero fucks to waste he is the most like conscious fuck bucket person because he needs to bring technology to the world same with like like all these high performance people they defend their bucket like that's the number one thing they hire gatekeepers personal assistants because they understand how that is one of the most scarce resources we got mm. and it's, it's all a question of energy management yo my man
0: energy management, energy exchange. It's such a good place to kind of wrap things up. It's crazy we're already at the hour mark, but I want to give you an opportunity. Is there a question that I didn't ask that you wish I did?
1: Yeah. um, There's one concept I want to talk about, and I'll wrap this up real quick, which is my philosophy on sales. like Sales is a big thing for me. And I talk about how selling is the greatest expression of love. Mm. And it ties into energy beautifully. Because- I think that selling is actually an energy exchange between two conscious beings. That's it. And the energy can be in form of currency in exchange for goods and services. But the equation usually balances out. And if you're actually going to be selling something for a price that's way higher than what you're receiving in return, so you ask like $100 for something and you give it to them, but it's only worth $50, there's going to be a gap that balances that equation, which is usually a lower frequency of energy. Guilt, shame, fear. All those lower things. And when that happens, there's a bad feeling because you know you didn't sell something that was giving so much more value than what you ask in return. But when you flip that, when you sell, when it comes from like, hey, I'm going to sell from love, which means when I sell this to you, I know that if I charge you $100, the value you're going to get is going to be like $1,000. I will be relentless in making you understand. I'll read every sales book. I'll use everything. I'll call you. I'll email you. I will be relentless to make sure that you acquire this because I know how amazingly beneficial your life will get. And that equation will still balance. But instead yeah. of being fear, it's going to be love-based. Mm. And if you sell more from love, you generate more vibrations and energy in the world. And it actually lifts stakeholders all across the world. I'm reading a book right now called Healing Organization. Healing Organizations. And it's all about how businesses are going to be what heals a lot of the issues in our world right now. And the more stakeholders you decide to consider in every transaction you make, whether Mm. it's a little conversation with someone, like, do you decide to give a compliment to somebody walking in just to give a little bit of love? Because every communication is a sales experience. Yeah. Just give a little bit of love. You lift them up a bit, they'll have a bit more energy to do their thing and it has a trickle effect that's all positive. And if you're like Elon Musk and you realize that when I build that rocket, it's going to make humanity an interplanetary species, you get to recruit the top people, you get to build epic things, you get to raise the money, you get to have a market cap that's higher. So the higher the stakeholders, where he looks at the entire human race, the more abundance exists. Mm. And so what I would want to leave people is this, this statement that the more people you care about, the more abundance will come your way. And if you can learn the one skill that I think is the best to make energy flow, it's sales. So embrace it because it is a language of love.
0: I love that. I love that. I think it's so relevant for people in coaching, in training, because oftentimes we undervalue ourselves. We undervalue our skills. But if we really have that internal drive and belief that what we're providing is so valuable, right? Then we're not gonna have a problem pitching, which I don't even like, it's not selling, we're sharing, Mm. right? We're not selling ourselves. I see it as we're sharing this incredible gift or skill that we have with somebody who desperately needs it, that, that, that could benefit from it. So I appreciate you kind of changing the paradigm around selling, and we'll definitely dive deeper into that in part two nah, which is de- you're
1: gonna say that yeah it's definitely
0: gonna happen but i want to finish with rapid fire all right real quick favorite emoji uh the hands up okay smiling like the with the hands goal.
1: no it's like the smiley oh, got like the, okay, he's got two hands he's like smiling he's like yay i could see you like ah! biggest pet peeve
0: uh being late mm. most impactful book or movie I know you've read a lot of books. Pick one. Uh, right
1: now, I just read *Seller Be Sold. Grant Cardone was super fun. Yeah? Yeah. Don't know if it's the most impactful, but it's a recency effect. Cool. Um, One person that you want to interview
0: the most. Bill Gates. That would be powerful.
1: And what are you most grateful for right now? Everything. <laughs> right now, I think just, oh my God. Just how much abundance and luck I have in my life. Mm. I think you've created a lot of that luck, right? I think so, but there's a lot of generations before me who have as well. And I'm just super fucking grateful for that and humble about it. So facts, bro. Big facts. Dude, Jason, I want to I want to
0: finish up by just acknowledging you. We've known each other for a little over a little less than three days. Three days. Something like that. 72 hours. <laughs> and dude, I'm I'm excited to have another brother in Miami. And I just want to acknowledge you for the continued growth that you are chasing and you have this hunger that is contagious, that makes me want to be better, that makes me want to strive to be a better version of myself. So thank you so much for shining your light in the world and for joining us today. And I want to just give you a quick opportunity to share where people can connect with you.
1: Yeah, the easiest thing, like I have a handle for absolutely everything like Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and it's JAS Campbell 17. JAS Campbell 17. You can find me via email, LinkedIn, Facebook. If you remember that. Where are you
0: most active? I'd
1: say Instagram. Okay. Easiest place to connect.
0: Okay, cool. We'll throw all of those links in the show notes. And guys, you already know what time it is. It's time to fill up your fuck bucket and stand up (laughs) to sitting.